Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In today's scripture, it seems like the Pharisees are just looking for something to stir things up against Jesus and his disciples. Anything. So one time when Jesus and the disciples were eating, here come the whistleblowers calling them out, just waiting to expose them as the frauds that they were. Your disciples, Jesus, did not wash their hands before they ate. Sounds like a snotty brother or sister, doesn't it? <laughs> well, what's next? They used the wrong fork with their salad? They didn't bust their dishes? The horror. Come on, Pharisees, can't you come up with anything better than that? You know, like they, they drank too much wine at the wedding at Cana or they're being too friendly to the prostitutes? At least that has a bit more bite to it, don't you think? Now, in fairness, washing your hands before you eat is important for health reasons. I'm underscoring that for all the kids here today. And Mira, your parents wanted me to point that out to you this morning. But health reasons weren't first and foremost to the Pharisees. This was a matter of religious observance, one of many many matters of religious observance that the Pharisees were famous for creating and perpetuating. Failure to wash hands and food and pots and pans, according to specific codes you see, resulted in, hello? In defilement, defilement. Defilement here means to soil, pollute, essentially desecrate yourself in such a way that you are unfit for God. I mean, it's a form of blasphemy, really. In Jesus' day, there were many things that defiled a Jewish man, especially a holy Jewish man like a Pharisee. Eating a meal with a foreigner, touching someone who was sick, injured, or who just died, talking to a person of ill repute, or even a woman, any woman in certain situations, eating the wrong foods, failing to wash properly, and the list goes on. So according to Judaism, as it was practiced at the time, what defiled a holy man like Jesus and his disciples? Well, think about it. Pretty much the world defiled them, it seemed. Almost everywhere you turned, there was possible defilement, right? The idea, the idea being that if one had attained a certain religious purity, you must then act diligently to maintain it, lest an impure, broken world defile you. And from what we know of the Pharisees, they had constructed a world where their purity could be maintained by avoiding most kinds of people out there who were not worthy of them and by complying to an elaborate set of rituals to make sure that a very impure world wouldn't touch them. 
Jesus was, of course, used to this sort of attack from the Pharisees, the one about not washing their hands. And he quickly came to the disciples' defense. Jesus pointed out that what the Pharisees were talking about here was not the written law of God, but the oral additions of man-made law, creating a very uh, legalistic religion that was often at odds with God's true intention. For instance, you may remember God's original call to Abraham and his descendants, that they were blessed. You want to finish that for me? They were blessed to be a blessing. (laughs) Is that too difficult? Blessed to be a blessing to all the peoples of the world. How can you carry a blessing to a world in need if the whole world defiles you? If your religious life is to be separated from that world in order to preserve your purity. Arguably, the most striking feature of Jesus' entire life is this. He lived among the defiled of the world, the broken, the compromised, the sick, the possessed, even the dead. He lived among them that they might be made whole and given life. In the process, was he defiled? According to the keepers of his tradition, yeah, time and time again he was. But from God's point of view, he was defiled that others would no longer be defiled. Blessed to be a blessing. This is a religion that works, that actually helps people, that doesn't just seek to maintain one's status. So, were the Pharisees in agreement with Jesus' understanding of the good book, of the prophets and the calling that Abraham had? No, they were not quite tracking with Jesus. But the mission trips that we uh, feature today, we heard from, from Mira on the Duluth one, um, remind us who we are following, namely Jesus, not the Pharisees. On these mission trips, whether it's uh, to the marginalized folks of of Duluth or uh, a flood-ravaged town in northern uh, Minnesota, um, third world Tanzania, or inner city Denver, probably, I was adding it up, roughly a hundred or so, maybe if you add up all those uh, mission trips uh, uh, from our faith community, went out into a world that Jesus taught us is not so much defiled, really, as broken. And therefore, God shows up there. And so do we. When it comes to what God wants and what is good, remember, it's not finally about you, about protecting some sort of purity you maintain as a Christian set apart from the world. To be holy in our tradition is to be set apart all right, that's the, the meaning of the word holy, but, but it's to be set apart for a mission, the mission of God, God's mission in the world. It's about what God is up to, bringing wholeness and hope and life. The question then is, how are you a part of it? 
Jesus goes on to say something more about the whole defilement thing. It's flawed in where it locates evil and sin. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you guys are hypocrites. You talk a good game, but your hearts are in the wrong place. It's not what goes into a person from the outside, you know, the whole defiled world thing, but what comes out of a person that does. What does your heart produce in your life? What are your intentions? They have a way of making themselves known, don't they? It is from the misplaced values of the human heart, as Jesus points out, that adultery and greed and theft and murder come. It is the heart that is envious, slanderous, foolish, and proud. And these attitudes and behaviors hurt other people. Sometimes they break other people. In the case of the Pharisees and many religious sorts of people today, what comes out of their hearts is pride, slander, greed, and fear. It is all about maintaining their own position and status, not bringing wholeness and hope to a broken world. Pope Francis, for one, really gets this. First things first. There's a familiar saying that every time you point at someone, okay, Scott, can you finish this one? Every time you point at someone, you have three fingers pointing back at you. That's partly what Jesus is saying here. Don't, don't make the mistake of thinking that your greatest enemy is out there. You can point to you. There's evil. It's out there. When it's really in here, okay, it's both places. It is. Don't point out the speck in your neighbor's eye and ignore the log in your own eye. Pointing to evil can be a tricky business. Don't be afraid then to call a spade a spade within you. This is hard for us though. I think Jesus' argument is that those who would obsess with the evil out there are in a dangerous position. They are in danger of not seeing the darkness in their own heart or in their collective heart. In danger of seeking to judge and destroy a broken world rather than, as Jesus clearly did, immerse himself in that broken world to heal and to bring life. How does this apply to you? When, you, when do you point fingers instead of humbly working to bring healing and new life to the world around you? Pointing fingers in this way can happen for groups just as easily as individuals, entire communities. For instance, we like to point to evil out there and overlook the sin in here. Uh, and oftentimes it takes the form of generalizing about other uh, minority groups and essentially write them off as unclean. Uh, this happens a lot, because I, I hear it a lot, with our Muslim brothers and sisters. But when you have an opportunity to listen to some rank-and-file members of the Muslim community, as certainly some from our congregation have, have had an opportunity to do, 
you will likely be moved by their description of faith. Does evil lurk in the Muslim community? Surely it does. But so too does evil lurk in Christian communities. Must I really count the ways? Here's a more specific example that I think is very uh, timely and uh, pertinent. When we look at the violence in our world, uh, if you're like me, you're horrified by it. And at least here in America, we, we look at the violence of groups like ISIS and acts of terrorism by Islamic extremists, and we quickly point our finger to this evil with great outrage, and it, of course, is worthy of outrage. It's evil, of course. But when we do to the point today, we easily overlook the raging violence in our own Christian nation, where the per capita death rate by guns exceeds all other developed countries in the world by quite a bit and far exceeds most Muslim countries. But somehow, when it's in our own country, for many various reasons, it's different. By now, we're way too used to it. And blind, I think, tell me what you think after the sermon, I think blind to the evil that comes out of us as a nation. And no, what happens within our nation isn't them, it's all of us. We're in it. We're all a part of it. And this is one of the problems with those who insist on uh, American exceptionalism. I mean, you've heard that, uh, that phrase. Um, I, I, raise the, I bring this up because from a Christian perspective, it falls apart quickly because it tends to absolve us from evil and wrongdoing, to not take seriously what Jesus said today. The problem's always out there. To follow Christ always means, it begins by confessing the brokenness within and to not posture as better than others. To do so is to not tell the truth. That's what the Pharisees did and Jesus called them on it. So today there is a call, I believe, to be wise about what comes out of our hearts and the heart of our communities as well. It is here that evil sneakily finds its home and its cover. When we think that evil is mostly out there, we make the world into a boogeyman and forget that we are supposed to meet Jesus there and get to work and be honest about ourselves. Amen.